This week on Non-Native Creative, I am thrilled to be speaking with literary translator Emily Balistrieri. Emily has worked on a variety of very, very cool projects, which we got to speak about during this talk. And he also has one very big project coming up that many fans of Japanese cinema and art should definitely know about. Emily shared about how he decided to become a translator and also gave us some insights into some of the big challenges that translators need to face. So this episode is a must listen for anyone thinking about doing translation work or anyone interested in it at all. You'll also hear a bit about what it's like to freelance in Japan. You can find more from Emily in both English and Japanese on Twitter at at Tiger or at Torah. Enjoy! On this week's episode of Non-Native Creative, I'm very happy to welcome Emily Balistrieri, literary translator and amazing Japanese speaker as well. I have been following him on Twitter for a while now, and I am always impressed by the level of knowledge <laughs> that is just that I look up on flowing, <laughs> that is just flowing from the Twitter feed uh, relating to Japanese culture and relating to kanji and relating to all kinds of interesting literary things, literary and other forms of media as well, worth checking out. So I'm very excited for this conversation today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. No, thanks for inviting come me. Come and speak with me. I like to begin every episode of this fine program <laughs> with a question that I'm borrowing from the X-Men, uh, which is, uh, I want to ask each person about their origin story. So mm. if you had a, a, a story that you feel like kind of uh, explains how you got started down the path that you're on now. Like, is there was there a moment or was there an experience that kind of kicked everything off for you that made you think I'm gonna go to another country, I'm gonna use another language? Was there an experience or a moment like that for you? Um, I don't really remember exactly. I don't remember the details, but basically, I was in third grade and some kids from college or not college, high school came and taught us how to count to 10 in French or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I guess that was the first time I realized like you could use a foreign language, like you could learn other people speak other languages, of course, so you could also speak them. Yeah. And that was just so fascinating to me. Um, so I started, I, I did a lot of French originally. <clears throat> and then when I was in high school, I made friends who were into anime and stuff. So that, and that was just how I heard Japanese for the first time. Yeah. Outside of like Sayonara or something like that. Okay. Like, like real Japanese being spoken, even if it's anime, you know, like. Oh. But um. So I just thought it sounded really cool, and kanji seemed really cool. So. That and then, by the so by the time I finished high school, I I knew I wanted to be a translator, but I just didn't know which language. Mm. Like I actually started off college as a Russian major. Really. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and um. So I just, in the end, I switched to Japanese because I realized, like, I'm reading Japanese books, like, like I was really into Murakami Haruki mm. at that time, and, um, like, manga and anime, so I was just into all that stuff, so it's yeah. like, well, there's all this stuff to translate, so maybe I should just do that. Cool. So I switched my mind, and, yeah. Wow. So, so that means you've studied uh, Japanese, of course. Uh, you've studied French and Russian. Mm -hmm. Are there any others? Spanish. Um, a tiny little bit of German. Whoa. Um, so you're a polyglot. No. <laughs> no, I <laughs> well, forgot more, everything. <laughs> more than more than me, more than a lot of other people, I think, too. I, I wish I were more, but um, mm. 
I kind of decided to focus on Japanese, and then just everything else like, kind of faded Bye. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So it was really maybe the the books and the stories that you were finding in Japanese in particular mm-hmm. that drew you more towards Japanese in the end? Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure I could have found other, like, Russian literature. I was a huge Dostoevsky nerd in mm-hmm. high school, so like, okay. I sh- I'm sure there's other stuff in Russian that is totally worthwhile and amazing, but... Japanese was kind of sucking me in so I see yeah I see so then how did that move to okay you moved from I think I want to be a translator to coming to Japan I mm-hmm. obviously because we're, we're speaking now from Tokyo right so like what was what was the, the the next step after that after you thought all right I'm interested in languages I really like these stories I'm gonna translate these stories mm-hmm. then how did you how did you bring yourself then to Tokyo to do that um so let's see I was basically I was in San Francisco banging my head against the like upper intermediate plateau Mm. of Japanese learning oh yeah which is miserable and so luckily I just had the opportunity to come and study abroad for a year Mm -hmm. like kind of a revenge study abroad because my college experience was lousy oh um so I did that and that's when I moved here seven years ago uh was to do a year at Waseda okay and really before that, I had mostly thought, oh, I want to translate video games because I loved video games mm-hmm. and I had been a, like a video game journalist kind of person <laughs> okay. for um, a few years and that was fun. So I, I really wanted to get into that. But as soon as I was able to read novels, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, this is way better. Okay. Like, there's so much more freedom. Like you don't have like space constraints. Ah, right. Like, so the fewer the constraints, the better. Like I've done anime subtitles and stuff too. Mm-hmm. But there you have even more constraints of, like, the, the timing on the screen and mm. the space and, like, what the characters are saying. Right. That's a whole mm-hmm. a whole world of challenges. Yeah. I've done subtitling once for <laughs> a for a media series. It was about architecture and going, oh, my gosh, how much information do I have to communicate yeah. in this tiny little space? Like, right. You lose so much sometimes, and it's just heartbreaking. But that's really cool. So... You had like you had video game, some video game experience, video mm-hmm. game journalism experience, and then you were bringing all of this into literary translation ultimately. So yeah, having the freedom to actually be able to express everything that you saw on the page mm-hmm. instead of having to like confine it into one little like yeah. text box somewhere. Yeah, and that be creative, nice. not worry about pictures, not worry mm. about any of that stuff. Cool, like, cool. Manga, manga is fun to translate too, but you are constrained by the bubble size. You're constrained by what the visuals are like. Right. Right. So yeah. maybe can you share with us a little bit about like what kinds of what are the, what are the titles that you've translated or maybe what are your favorite projects so far? Um, so currently I'm doing Overlord by Kugane Maruyama mm-hmm. and The Saga of Tiny the Evil by Carlo Zen mm-hmm. for Yen Press. Um, and those are two big, thick series that just keep going. Uh-huh. Um, both really fun. Um, and Overlord actually was the first... So Overlord Volume 1 was the first novel I ever translated, and it worked out really well because um, if you know that story, it starts from uh, like a like an MMO type of video game. Okay. So like my background in video games was really useful for oh. getting into that. So that kind of gave me the confidence, like, oh, I know video games. I can do this. Right, like, right. So that was really cool. Excellent. Um, other stuff I've done, J.K. Haru is a sex worker in another world, mm-hmm. um, and the sequel to that for J Novel Club. That's by Kohira Tori. Mm-hmm. And 
what else? Um, I picked up your translation of Morimi's. Yes, uh, the night is short. Walk on girl. Yes, yes. That's I, that's the important one right now that yeah. I want everyone to go read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like you tweet Morimi. a lot about Morimi. Morimi's my favorite. <laughs> what is it about Morimi that that kind of draws you in? Just honestly, just the way he writes in Japanese is so fun and entertaining and like very Japanese. Like if like if Haruki Murakami is very not Japanese, as people always say, mm-hmm. which is true. Like, his writing's more flat. Like, Morimi is like the opposite of that. Oh, okay. Like, he has just all this flavor that you have to try to squeeze into English somehow. Mm-hmm. And I think I think in a lot of ways it's impossible, but um, you just do what you can, and then hopefully people enjoy it, right? Yeah, but that's exciting, you know? Like, you yeah. must... Well, I don't want to put this... Up. Like I don't want to put words in your mouth at all, but it's like it must be an exciting experience to to feel like if someone enjoys the book that you know has come through you, like that you yeah. have translated, like right. you know that's an that's an important accomplishment for you too, right? As a translator. Yeah. Well, and Morimi is like seriously one of my favorite authors. I've mm. I've met him a bunch of times at like signing events, really? and like I've seen him talk a few times, and like, um, yeah, he's just really great, and uh, so many of his novels are a lot of fun so I really hope we can do more in English awesome awesome so this kind of relates to uh, uh, one of the questions that I had for you today mm-hmm. which was in general it's something that I've seen you write about a lot on Twitter which is this name that the translator topic right um, it, I've seen it as a hashtag on Twitter a lot mm-hmm. and I assume on other social media platforms as mm-hmm. well but could you maybe explain a little bit about what that is um, I was trying to look up like who started it this morning but mm-hmm. I could <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> find okay. it immediately mm-hmm. um, it's basically just like raising awareness of translators because in English publishing, like lots of publishers will hide the translator's name like on the copyright page. They or hide it? Well, it's not, it's on the copyright page, but it's not on the cover, it's not on the title page. Oh. It's like in the copyright info. And, I see. and who looks at that? You know? I see, right. Like I look at it because my name's there. Right, but <laughs> right. But most people, but when they pick up a book, they don't think to yeah, check that. Even I don't. You know, right. Like, um, not usually. So, mm. like, rather than ha- like spread an awareness campaign like everyone go look at the copyright page like why not have like in Japan translators names are on the cover mm. almost always really and like people say oh but it'll like wreck the design it'll look too cluttered and no <sighs> Japanese publishers make beautiful books with like the author and the translator mm. and it's totally fine yeah. sometimes they even do it in English and in Japanese really like and that's four names you know, like two times two. So it's like, sure, it's sure. fine. It looks great. And, right. And yet people in English are like, oh, no, it's not. So really, I it's an English like, publisher thing. I mean, it might be other languages, too. Mm. But um, at least the name, the translator hashtag is mainly for calling out um, English language publishers mm. and, and stuff like reviews, too. Like you'll see people review a book in translation mm-hmm. and even they might even say the translation was nice or something like mm. whether they actually know or not is oh. another question but but then they don't mention the translator and it's like well how do you think that book absolutely got to be into english absolutely. did it just like magically <laughs> translate right. itself it's not like someone just dropped it into google translate yeah, and you yeah, get yeah. this beautiful end result like that's like the hard work and like sweat and tears and frustrations of one right. person sitting behind their computer for hours on end a day yeah you know? well and editors and proofers and sure and then you can start to argue well like what's the line like how many people do we credit like what and all of that but at least 
the translator is a good start. Yeah, you know? like, I, I would agree with that. Because, yeah, that is that is a good point, too. It's like, you know, okay, well, there are all these other people that are obviously involved right. in the process, too, that are important. And that well, are like mm-hmm. in manga, you have letterers, right? And what the is letter- a letterer? A letterer, a letterer puts the words into the bubbles for you. Oh. Like translators just, like, whip out a word doc. And okay. Like, so I'll, like, label the bubbles, like, one, two, three, or whatever, and, like, with the characters' names and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then someone else entirely picks the fonts, does the design, and, like, letters have to, like, retouch art sometimes. And it's a hard job, and it takes really specialized skills. Mm-hmm. And then no one knows they exist, basically. Yeah, like, when you said letterer just now, like, I was thinking, like, I thought, like, typesetter, maybe? But, wow, yeah, that's not, that's not yeah. at all what I thought it was. So, <laughs> so, like, that's another one of those things where it's, like, those people deserve a lot of credit too because Mm. just like a bad lettering looks horrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it really like wrecks the experience in some ways like as much as a bad translation might so i see so that's something that's unique sorry i'm just learning of this word now but Mm -hmm. that's something that's unique to manga is lettering well i mean or american comics any comics Mm. will usually have a letter i think Mm -hmm. i mean unless the the artist is doing it all themselves i see i see but wow so there are a lot of different you know kind of disciplines coming together to mm-hmm. produce just one volume of a yeah, comic yeah, yeah. or a manga. There was, there was a time when I was like, oh, I got to learn how to letter. And then, like, <laughs> I realized how much work it was mm-hmm. and how much I would have to, like, spe- how much time I would have to spend doing that. Yeah. And I was like, never mind. Oh, <laughs> I'll, really? I'll leave it to the pros. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, is, that is, like, a special moment where, you're, like, uh, you think to yourself, like, oh, I'd like to learn how to do this or I'd like that skill. And then you mm-hmm. realize just how hard it is and how many, like, years it takes to perfect it and make yeah. it really good. And you're like... Second thought, I'll just make sure I have this person on my team always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's what you're there for. You're the expert. I will trust you to do this job. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Cool. Okay. So going back a little bit to the, the process of becoming a translator, mm-hmm. to, to doing the work that you're doing mm-hmm. now, what was it like finding the the opportunities to, to, to actually translate materials to get things published? Like, how did you begin maybe building connections or mm-hmm. how did you start working in the field? Um, so one thing is that I, like, I was in the right place at the right time, and mm-hmm. a job happened to open up at Kodansha in the children's books department. Okay. So Kodansha is a big Japanese publisher, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I worked there twice a week, uh, doing sample translations of picture books and, um, to some extent, middle grade novels, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, basically anything children's literature related. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's been good just because... Like, my sample translations go to, like, book fairs and things. And so there's a potential of it getting picked up. And then there's an additional potential of me being hired as a translator. I see. If someone decides to publish it. So a sample translation, just for my own understanding mm-hmm. and for others, <coughs> sample translation means you, you do a translation of a portion of a work? Um, for the novels. Mm-hmm. <coughs> for the novels, my voice is cracking. No worries. <laughs> for the novels, it's... um usually sample like a chapter or two mm-hmm. and then for a picture book I'll just do the whole thing I see um, I see so that gets sent to like you just described a book fair or to perhaps a publishing house to say yeah and I've started this. I've started going to uh, for instance like the Bologna children's book fair in Italy and because mm-hmm. um, that that was basically my te- my team I guess I can say that mm-hmm. like I'm part of the department so they would send people every year with like this pile of my translations and I never really knew what happened there or anything so I decided to go two years ago and then it was just so eye-opening to be there and like experience it and see how they promote and 
how the meetings work and mm-hmm. stuff. So um, that was a, a ch- you said children's book fair. Like mm-hmm. a, so that means that I tons guess of publishers from all around the world show up. Okay. And there's like awards that they give there, and there's speakers and events and things. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. mainly, I'm like working the booth and like. <laughs> Cool. meeting people and talking about books and being like you should publish this <laughs> so kind of going i translated this or like you know we're, we i really want to write or write or translate this really like you know yeah. trying to convince people perhaps like mm-hmm. that this is worth their time like this is worth their yeah. their uh their consideration yeah i see and this year i actually sold a book so that's really exciting <gasps> can you talk about it no okay we'll wait for that we'll wait for that Keep yeah an eye. it's Keep very an exciting eye. i can't wait i can't wait till it's actually th- i have to translate it too i have to go home and translate it oh my gosh yeah, what an exciting um, problem to have like you're smiling right? and laughing as you say this yeah <laughs> that's great that's fantastic excellent yeah, the best problem to have <laughs> to like get something that you're excited about and then yeah. have to work on it mm-hmm. yeah yeah but i mean what an investment like can you maybe describe what your day is like? Right now, my days are just total chaos and <laughs> um, horrible. But uh oh, um, <laughs> what do you? What's kind of the, the your workflow? I guess I. If you have a suggestion, I'll mm-hmm. take it. <laughs> if anyone has a workflow for me, I will gladly <laughs> adhere because right now I'm just kind of. Yeah, I'm in kind of a weird spot. So I'm mm. just I'm just trying to get stuff done sure. at any time of day, any moment that I feel like I have a like clarity of mind. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, time to work. Let's do it. How many projects yeah. do you have ongoing at any given time, would you say? <sighs> Too many. Um, <laughs> so it's a lot. Which So part of the problem is that um, because of the networking I've been able to do through like the Jabba Kudan show or even just like meeting people and talking to them or just emailing people mm. and being like hey I want to translate this mm. and then it works out um, oh cool that's how I that's how I got doing um the video games I do I do like very limited video games like for smartphones with this company mm-hmm. called Coca-Cola mm-hmm. and um yeah that was just a cold email so that's another really good way to get jobs really <laughs> at so least you, I think you found something that you were interested in and you cold emailed the people who made it yeah I just said hey have you ever thought of translating this and they were like oh that sounds like a good idea oh, let's cool. do that yeah so, did you reach out to them just out of curiosity in English or in Japanese Japanese mm, yeah. yeah I would imagine the result would probably be different <laughs> if you reached out in English yeah I don't know how much English they speak mm. I mean probably enough to get the idea but I think reaching out in Japanese shows that you understand Japanese. So right, right. That's a good, good first step yeah. to offering a translation. Yeah. Show you understand Japanese. You can use it in a professional situation. Right. Absolutely. But sorry, I got off topic. Um, That's okay. What are we talking about? Workflow. Your what's your what's right. your everyday My non- like? Workflow. If you can um, give us a sample of what it's like in the day of a, a busy translator. I wake up and translate until I lose focus, and then I tweet too much, and then I. <laughs> eventually try to translate some more mm-hmm. and then um mondays and thursdays i'm in the office in the afternoon okay so that's different mm. um translate till i go to bed <laughs> wow so it's know, really it's, it's too much right now i really need to fix my schedule which i keep saying probably mm-hmm. to anyone who will listen to me i'll be like i really need to like get my work-life balance under control mm. um it's tough. Maybe next year. <laughs> is that something? Is that something you have? You always kind of had that that style of working then, or is that something that you kind of? I think one thing is that once, like I've kind of always been a freelancer, except um, when I worked at Twitter. So 
like just that hustle mode of like, mm-hmm. what's my next project? What what other opportunities? How can I branch out? Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, you have enough to do. Oh, like, right, absolutely. And also, but you're also thinking like, okay, these things that I'm doing won't last forever, mm-hmm. so I want to make sure people know I exist. Sure. So I think right now I'm in this weird phase where like I have projects that are ongoing, but also trying to establish other avenues and maybe it's a little right. too much right and then also just life stress is like sure like. sure but like I think that's a really interesting point that kind of hustle culture mm-hmm. like that is it's in every industry every yeah. every freelancer I think yeah. has some experience with it mm-hmm it varies from person to yeah. person but like and you can't feeling. turn it off right like, I think once you like, get oh, into this that looks mode. fun let's do it let's <laughs> yeah. let's uh, let's do this contest let's yeah. oh I got an email from someone who wants me to translate poetry let's do it absolutely like, yeah, absolutely like, you just say uh, yes to everything because you're always like waiting like you're always in the back of your head like oh my gosh this opportunity that I have right now is going to end eventually like yeah. surely there's going to be some problem that's going to happen and I'm going to have to find a new position like you're yeah. constantly in that mode of everything is going to change yeah and so exactly as you're describing you're like constantly on the lookout for something new which has its benefits I yeah, will say it's good I mean I've definitely I just feel like especially in this past year just networking and stuff has exploded and like gotten me lots of really cool opportunities awesome uh, so I'm feeling pretty good I just have to actually do the work right and not just do PR and networking like because <laughs> that's the fun let's, part let's please translate right? some pages today what is what does networking mean for for a translator like you described going to the book fair for example going to these fairs where like are these events where publishers come to learn about you know new new books or yeah I've been really things. lucky in that I I get to go to those for my other job so I kind of just like wear two hats a little bit mm-hmm. and like give out my translator card mm-hmm. and like um meet people who might be good to know Mm. um but yeah I mean it's good like I'm also a member of the Society of Writers Editors and Translators here um in Tokyo Mm -hmm. I mean we're all anywhere but um Mm. lots of events are in Tokyo so that's a cool place to be and meet people um like there's Facebook groups for translators right there's other events you can go to workshops you can go to Mm -hmm. like doing that kind of stuff um it's really inspiring and you meet people who then if they're too busy they can throw your name out you know right for work and stuff like that right so. sure so just making sure you're like visible and always kind of participating in those groups so that yeah at least a little bit <laughs> a little <laughs> or bit or trying to as know. time allows like, yeah right right okay um, so then like for that. like i know that there are so many people and I'm, i've seen on your twitter feed like you and uh, other translators dealing with you know people who are kind of what should i say perhaps amateur translators or people who have some familiarity with a second language, in this case Japanese, and mm-hmm. then they have like uh, either some interest in getting into like the literary translation field or general translation for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- either they have that interest and so they kind of poke around into like translation um, discussions mm-hmm. or they're like of the, the critic mind, like this translation wasn't very good or like, I, I didn't like the way this, like they have yeah. this kind of like me, I can't speak yeah. Japanese or I can't speak this other language when I'm going to criticize the way that this was done. Right. Like I've, I've seen kind of two discussions of this. Uh, one is uh, to start, I guess, with like kind of these amateur translators, like the people mm-hmm. who are maybe just getting into translation mm-hmm. and are trying to learn a little bit more or thinking about maybe making it into like their full-time profession. Mm-hmm. Like, thinking back to when you were start just starting like is there maybe advice or any kind of perhaps thing that you wish you had done or maybe hadn't hadn't mm. done when you were in that phase of of your career of 
of learning the ropes of of how to how to do things in a way that suits you right um i mean i think less than like the business end of it it's more like i wish i had double majored in english oh really <laughs> and like um it's really easy to underestimate how much english matters mm. because you're so focused on making sure you understand the japanese or whatever language you're translating mm -hmm. but um the end product is english and it has to be in literary translation it has to be like a novel or a mm -hmm. short story when you're done mm -hmm. it has to be like a pleasant experience to read right <laughs> you know right so or or you know whatever emotion is there that the author is invoking it has to invoke that emotion so if you can't write english then you're kind of out of luck right um right and like sometimes i see people who like they're writing and it's just like little grammatical things mm. and like i had to fix my grammar too i still have to fix my grammar i think everyone absolutely like, being a native speaker doesn't mean you're a translator absolutely oh, or a writer yeah. right so, <laughs> or a teacher yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. so um mm. yeah brushing up your english is a thing mm. okay so yeah that's a that's a great point and something that i've read here and there like you know if you want to translate you should also make sure you're a pretty good writer like mm -hmm. you know yeah, that's because that's what you're doing in the end. Mm. Like, mm. it's a huge, it's a huge thing that I think separates a lot of. Uh, how should I put it nicely? <coughs> so it separates <laughs> the tiers of translators. I will say, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll frame it like that. Maybe then <laughs> I just then I just wonder what tier I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well, but given yeah. some of the projects that you just told me about, I would say definitely upper tier, upper tier, upper tier. One can hope. <laughs> so I want to go back to the second group of people that I was, that I mentioned earlier, right. which was the, these critics, uh, mm -hmm. translation critics, people who have perhaps limited, in some cases, uh, skill in the uh, source language, in this case, mm -hmm. Japanese. But what's kind of, if you have one, a, a way that you deal with that kind of criticism that seems to come from... I don't know. It seems to vary in terms of the the source of the criticism. It seems to be like personal attack. Like I just don't like this translator. I disagree with this word choice or whatever. Like, yeah. How do you deal with criticism of translations? Um, I mean, if it's something legitimate, like a real mistake, then mm -hmm. I own it and try to fix it mm -hmm. for future releases and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But lots of the time, it really is just like their subjective opinion or they read the pirated version first so oh. they're like oh but you didn't do it the same way this person did and this person must be right and it's like well oh do you think there's one way to translate things do you right. think like i don't know so some i have in the past sometimes explained to people like here's what i did here mm. are the choices i made like that's that mm. um like sure what they did is valid i guess if maybe it works in their in their translation, but it didn't mm -hmm. work in my translation. Mm -hmm. It's not what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It's not what I thought the author wanted to do. So I didn't do it. Like, right, right. So I don't know. And then, yeah, but actually, like, recently, there's been this person, like, emailing me. Like, they found my email somehow. And they're like, could you please just, from the bottom of my heart, can you please just change it? What? And I'm like, no. What? <laughs> I can't. What? What? <laughs> and then, you know, they get very, very disappointed and, uh, it's just like, sorry, like I, this is it's done for one thing, mm. like it's a published book, mm. and um, and like I'm standing by my translation. I made the decision for a reason, mm. and I know what the reason is. Mm -hmm. So no, I'm not changing it. Right, like, right. Um, 
so I don't it's like I always just wonder what people think translation is when they get in this mindset sure and also I just feel like if you're that passionate about it you should be a translator mm, it sounds like and it. then and then they get defensive and it's like <laughs> well then I don't I can't help you, you right know? like either you're passionate about it enough that you want to be the person bringing over the literature mm -hmm. or you're just going to have to accept what the translators are doing and trust right. them like and it's hard because some like sometimes you're reading a book and you're like ah oh, this translation is a little and then you wonder can I trust this person to tell the story how it should be told but mm -hmm. um it's just like that relationship you have to mm. try to be the trustworthy translator <laughs> sure sure because like you are you're building a relationship I guess with your readers over time you know like I've come to understand that I can trust this person's translation and like this person is gonna is also like participating participating is maybe a weird word to use but this person yeah. is bringing me stories that mm -hmm. are gonna be worth my time as well. well and that's that's another thing goes back to name the translator right mm. like when you know who the translator is you can say like oh I like this person or oh this person in the past has been a little dodgy so mm -hmm. maybe not but mm. like um yeah, I don't know. I feel like, like definitely you hear people say like, oh, publishers don't want translators to be popular because then they would have to pay them more money uh -huh. or like, or like, oh, they don't want to, they don't want to show when the translator on a series changes. So they just kind of like hide the name really? or whatever. I don't, like everyone has their ideas for why, mm. why it's so hard to get translators mentioned more prominently. Interesting. But politics drama it sounds like it wow a little bit i wanted to ask too then you mentioned briefly uh pirating yes what is the effect this is a big question i know <laughs> like yeah can you talk and a little bit i haven't bit? done the research so. <laughs> <laughs> could you talk maybe just briefly about pirating like what is the effect of pirated trend or i don't know oh man i have so many different questions right now there's pirated translations i guess you could say or there's also fan translations Right, right, right. So so that's what I meant when I was saying pirate earlier. Uh, but yeah, there are also like just stolen versions of the official release. But then there are like the unofficial trans the, 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 the translations done by fans. Okay. So because I, I totally understand the appeal of a fan translation mm -hmm. of like, oh, this person is just really, really excited about it. And it's not official, but I can read the story and get a feel for the story right mm -hmm. away. I totally understand the appeal of that. But mm -hmm. what's the relationship between a fan translation and like the official translation, like from your perspective? Um, so when I started translating Overlord, the series, um, nine of the novels were already fan translated. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> It's like just scaling this mountain, like, oh. do does anyone care? They've already read nine books, you know. Oh, wow. Um, so you were starting over from book one. Yeah. Which well, already I'm not starting had... over. I was starting. Sorry. Like, the fan <laughs> translators, they, you know, they're just doing what they want to do. Right. Um, mm. And uh, so that's kind of daunting just because you're like, well, who, who is the audience even then for this book if mm -hmm. everyone read it already? <laughs> mm, right. Um, and in some cases, it's the same people, but they just buy it to have it and mm -hmm. to support the author. I see. Um, after stealing his <laughs> work. Oh. But um, so... Mm, that's very interesting. Like, I'm sure there are people who buy it and I'm sure there are people who don't buy it, you know, and just take right. it and think that that's okay. But, right. um, yeah. Ideally, ideally, like, I guess maybe f from your perspective as a translator and also from the author's perspective, it's better to 
invest in the official version as opposed to the fan version to make sure that you know both author and translator and all the people in between are being right. properly supported yeah mm. i mean and especially the author because like i don't know like fan translations like i haven't i don't have any numbers or stats or anything mm-hmm. but like if you look at the numbers as people have like you can see that it affects sales of books so really? it's like can you just not do that uh, <laughs> you know? um, right I, I get the I totally get the appeal of and also like passion passion can be good but sure. also like can you translate the material like I've seen fan translations that are like really just wrong oh. and then it's like what what is the value of this anyways right. and like it like warps the story for the viewer for the viewer it sorry, warps YouTube. the story mm-hmm. and it warps the author's work right and like you're tr- i don't know right it's complicated so ultimately the lesson here is buy the official book buy the official translation well and if you want to be a translator there are ways to practice that don't involve posting someone's novel for free on the internet mm-hmm. like you can translate the novel i have an entire Tomihiko Morimi novel on my computer that no one's ever seen because I just did it to do it. And, um, hopefully we can publish it someday. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for that's sure. the thing. Like, you can do a whole novel without putting it on the internet. Right. And people say, "But I want feedback." And it's like, "Well, it's not your book right. to right. go get feedback for." But that's true. I mean, like having the having the practice with something, like mm-hmm. having having materials to practice with is great before you start putting stuff out there yeah because there's so much potential for misinformation and there's so many uh there are just so many things that can go wrong <laughs> i feel like well and it's just respect for the author too. sure um, sure absolutely. at least that's how i think of it i mean because you can get into all the like really detailed economic issues and you know it becomes a huge thing but um basically i just want to make sure the author's respected. Mm, mm, makes sense. Um, Absolutely. But like you can, if you if you do want feedback, one thing you can do is translate something that's already been translated. Oh. And then just compare. And ah. Like that's a really good way to study. So like if I, if I think, okay, I'm interested in this book, this Japanese book, it's already been translated, but I'm going to try and do my own. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to look at my, the words that I've produced and compare that to the official translation. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting, that's an interesting yeah. thing to do. I mean, that's like basically a master class, right? Like, okay. So, um, yeah, I feel like there's so many ways to, to study and practice and learn without putting stuff out there mm. that um, people should take advantage. And then if if they say no, no, that's like, then what is your real goal? Is your goal to be the best translator you can be, or is it to be popular on the internet? Or like, ah, what's your goal? That is a good question. Yeah, <laughs> I suspect <laughs> I know the answer for some people, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I for mean, sure. I don't know. Absolutely. So um, coming back then to your works, like specifically here mm-hmm. in Japan with Kodansha and yes. with other um, other freelance uh, projects, uh, in terms of your experiences in working as part of a Japanese organization mm-hmm. with Kodansha, perhaps specifically in this case, what do you think are some of, or in your experience, what are some of maybe the, the challenges of, of working within a Japanese organization? Um... I mean, I think for me, it's kind of the same as working in any organization, Mm -hmm. like all the little like office things. Like, so I used to actually work in the domestic rights department in Kodansha doing um, merchandise licensing Mm -hmm. for Japan. So it was taking a Italian 
character and licensing rights to Japanese merchandise companies. Okay. Um, so we had lots of meetings and stuff, and like one thing that was always really hard for me was asking someone to bring tea. So I'd like find myself like, cause you know, the guys in the office are just like, oh, hey, can you just grab some tea for us? Mm -hmm. We just need to, or you know, they're very suave. They just do the thing and the the part-timer kids will just do it. Right. Or one of the ladies will do it. Right. You know? But for me, I just like, I felt like I couldn't just like be like, Ask oh, hey, boy, like <laughs> bring us some tea. Like I couldn't really do that. <laughs> With that hand gesture and everything. Something, yeah. I don't know. like. Yeah, it just, true. It was just really, it felt really awkward for me. So that was one of the things where it was like, oh, how do I navigate the tea? And there were definitely times where it was like, oh, there's no tea. Oh. Oh, I failed. Oh. <laughs> like, that is a thing, um, though. That is absolutely a little, a little, it seems little, but it is a thing in, yeah. especially a Japanese organization. Mm -hmm. Like, somebody brings a beverage. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's tea or coffee or water or whatever. Right. It's there. Yeah. It's there. So that's so interesting. I found like little things like that, just being in the office or like what printer am I using or like like some of those things are the same no matter what country you're mm -hmm. in. And some of them, sure. like the tea is more specific to Japan. Right. Um, when you first joined Kodansha, mm -hmm. were you able to speak Japanese at that mm -hmm. time? Mm. So there wasn't so much of an issue with like language barrier when you joined? Not really. Mm -hmm. I mean, so when I started my rights job, I was pretty nervous because... Um, I was writing Japanese business emails to Japanese people mm. <laughs> and like I, I had a partner so f for the first few weeks I think he was checking my emails mm -hmm. but then he was busy and he's like you got it you can do it oh that's cool though and I'm just like no I can't <laughs> like, but that's <laughs> awesome you had a partner who would check your emails for you yeah I mean like did, did your partner give you feedback like, oh, yeah, maybe you I should mean, use this phrasing or this. Yeah, is. and to some extent, like when you're just watching the emails flying around, like you can get a sense of like what Kago people are using. Oh, and like, that's exactly what I did. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I did. Yeah, yeah. Copy paste for a while. Mm -hmm. Look it up. What does it mean? Okay, I'll use that there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how I learned. Mm -hmm. I see. It's but good. that's great that you had somebody that was able to give you feedback for a while on your team. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Mm. But um, is there anything about working in a Japanese organization that you love? Um, I mean, it's nice to use Japanese. Mm. I like Japanese, so mm. getting to speak Japanese is good. Um, like my job right now, I don't really go to the meetings or anything, so because um, I'm super part time. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I do like that you get kind of. I don't know if it's really an inside view, but you get like you hear how people are thinking about things in the industry mm -hmm. or like how the company works. I guess what I really like is working directly with clients. Like I don't really do a ton of agency work. Mm -hmm. I do like client work. And so knowing what they want or how they feel about things or stuff like that. I see. So when you're working directly with a client, mm -hmm. meaning someone who wrote something, I presume, in some yeah, cases. Yeah, or like just even the publisher at Konasha. Like, I see. Working with the team of the editors who did it. So, oh, okay. Like, so is there a lot, like, I assume there's a lot of back and forth there, like, you know, talking about. There can be. Okay. I have a checker at Kodansha. Um, oh, nice. So, like, I'm in there two days a week, and she's in there two of the other days of the week. Mm -hmm. So we rarely see each other, but we're exchanging emails all the time. That's and, cool, though. Yeah. So, like, you kind of have this close working relationship with a couple of people on your team mm -hmm. and are able to, to do most things that way in your case. So it's not like yeah. the – it's not like the, the maybe – some people have that image of what it's like to work in Tokyo as that, that hardcore 
in the office from 9 a.m. to midnight sort of thing. But yeah, maybe I'm really you're lucky a computer. In that, I'm really lucky in that respect in that, like, I usually, when I'm in the office, I'm there and I leave at 5 on the dot. Um, okay. That almost never happens, ever, uh, for anyone. Right. But And it's kind of awkward. That's another one of those things because, like, you have to learn how to leave. And, like... <laughs> it's so true. Um, it's so true. Because, like, your coworkers, like... And especially for me, like, I almost never saw anyone leave before me because they're all still working. Right. So, and you know the phrase is, osaki ni shitsurei shimasu, right. or whatever, like, osaki ni. Right. How do you translate that, like, by the way? Osaki ni. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think in English you would just say, like, see you tomorrow or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like, But I'm it's out. more like, yeah. I'm leaving before you, please excuse me. Right, you know? a, literal, <laughs> a literal, like, direct translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, but we would just say, bye. Yeah. <laughs> see you tomorrow. I'm out of here. Peace. Yep. <laughs> Blow in this popsicle stand. Exactly. No. <laughs> exactly. There's so many but, ways to translate that. Yeah. And I just feel like, like, I feel like I should say something. Mm. But there are definitely days that I just kind of like leave unceremoniously. <laughs> or like, or like even when I do say something, I'll just kind of like say it to whoever happens to be sitting right. the closest. And right. it's like, is this how this works? Right. Or just kind of like, like, slow, like slightly bow the head as you like nonstop right, as you walk right. out the door. I've done or that I feel before. like when I first started, maybe I was... <laughs> saying bye to my boss but ah. that started to feel weird and I was like maybe this isn't what people do oh <laughs> like, yeah my coworkers would always just say it like to the room whatever room yeah, they were leaving they'd like, get up and they'd be like okay, osaki ni shitsurei shimasu and right? they'd all be like kusukai sama desu like yeah, just yeah, sitting yeah. at our computer like nobody really cares bye yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah is there anything then that like uh, if you can talk about it that you're working on now that you're really really excited about sharing or that you're really looking forward to sharing with people soon um I guess the most exciting upcoming thing is that I translated Kiki's Delivery Service. Ah, the <laughs> the big the big movie, the big famous movie. Yeah, the the first. So in Japan, the the book is actually a series of books. It's seven books, and mm. like it follows her. Like she gets married and stuff. Whoa. Like yeah, it follows like her life basically. Um, it seems like I haven't actually read all of them yet, but so we did the first one, and that'll be out next summer. Cool. Um, that is awesome. Congratulations. Really that is that. that is huge. That is huge. Like Miyazaki's <laughs> films are like huge overseas. Yeah. So I can only assume that the books will be similarly huge. I hope so. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, that's super exciting. That's super exciting. And then of course people can also look at the the work that you've done mm-hmm. already. Like you can find everything on Amazon or on Yeah. Um The Night is Short Walk on Girl. Is highly recommended. Um, mm. Last month, I released a, a novella that's sort of a sci-fi thing with um, Red Circle Minis. Mm-hmm. It's called The Refugee's Daughter by Takuji Ichikawa. Okay. And um, what's cool about that is that, um, so he's a Japanese author, but this story he wrote specifically to translate into English. So it's coming out in English first. Okay. Um, which is what Red Circle Minis does. Okay. Um, they write things specifically for in English. Yeah, they get part. authors to write and then the translators translate and it comes out in English first. Mm. And the Japanese, maybe it'll come out someday, but mm. the idea is to have an English original. What's kind of just out of curiosity, like the concept, is there is there a reason that they've chosen that approach? Um, I think, I mean, just to make something special, I imagine. Mm. I haven't talked to them extensively about it, but... Is anyone else doing that? Right. So it's like makes them stand out and is hopefully a good way to promote the authors. Like, mm, I don't know. Right. Because that's what they're, they're kind of like this boutique, almost like an agency. 
where they have authors join their circle and then so part of promoting them is releasing these books i see i see that is a cool project too wow it sounds like you have you have lots of really interesting things to like to share about hopefully i think i (laughs) I think but unfortunately our time is coming to an end so where can people find you online if they want to know more about your work and more about all these other cool things that you're talking about um i'm tiger on twitter Mm -hmm. just at tiger um instagram i don't really post that much but i'm emily b tiger okay um be like my initial b gotcha um what else? I don't know. I mean, I think those are the main places. Okay. Probably. Sounds good. So I will continue following you, of course. <laughs> and I hope that many other yeah. people follow you and keep an eye out for all of the amazing things that you are translating and working on. So yes, thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to come talk with me today. Oh, I really appreciate it. And this was super fun. I learned many yeah, things. Yeah, it was a good sign. <laughs> for sure. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Non-Native Creative. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already so that you never miss an interview. Also, please make sure to stop by the project Patreon at patreon.com slash non-nativecreative. Patrons can get access to Patreon-only discussions, bonus behind-the-scenes media, interview transcripts, and access to patron-only live streams. Your support will help make sure the series can continue to share exciting, interesting stories from creative people working across borders. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.